In today's episode of Gehirna Octohain, Voices of 81, Bobby Sands' election agent, Owen Caron, speaks about the time following that historic 1981 by-election, about Bobby Sands' death on the 5th of May, and about the massive impact that period had on politics and on people across Ireland. I would have gone into him immediately after he was elected, uh, the day afterwards, I think, uh, and... Uh, you know, obviously, I was excited and naive in the, in the sense that I thought, and many of us down in Fermanagh, where I lived, thought that when he was uh, elected, that that would have saved his life and that uh, Thatcher and the British government would have certainly moved. Uh, but I remember saying stuff like that to him, and he said to me back, it, it really makes no difference. He, 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 he had no illusions. Uh, he knew that it wouldn't change the situation for him. And I think his view always was, as far as I could gather from, that he, that he himself would have to die and that he also believed that the person next to him, Francis Hughes, would die before there would be any movement from the British. But of course, as we know, uh, 10 out of 10, 10 men died. So um, uh, I, I, I didn't see him, obviously, every day after he, he was elected. I seen him on a number of occasions. And of course, the, the Northern Ireland office of the British uh, conducted a strategy of some days allowing you in and other days preventing you uh, to go in. Uh, and I, I remember, uh, I was trying to think of the guy's name, um, Carter's Attorney General from America came, his, uh, Carter was out, just after, was out of office, but Carter's Attorney General came along, with, I think it was Father Dan Berrigan, who had been an anti-Vietnam, uh, an anti-Vietnam War priest who campaigned against them. They came and myself and uh, Marcella Sands, uh, I, I've always members uh, them standing outside uh, the H blocks or Don Cash. And, and funny, I was just thinking of it the other day, the time of the year, even though it was this time of year, uh, there was snow, I remember uh, snow falling. So uh, it was a sort of a very poignant occasion, but we were, pre- we were prevented from bringing those two in. Um, the, I suppose the next, memorable occasion of course the father mcgee visit then happened and, and and nobody was allowed in at that period either because obviously i think the strategy of the northern ireland office was to try to isolate bobby uh, so that he would be uh, somehow cajoled or forced off the hunger strike um, and around the same time don concannon arrived over uh, in a very uh, nasty way uh, trying to discourage him uh, on the hunger strike and was actually shouting at him. And I think Bobby refused to see him. Uh, the, 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 later on, when he was about 37, 38, 39 days, I remember uh, a visit was arranged for uh, myself to bring in uh, Neil Blaney, who was a European MP, and uh, Sheila de Valera, who was a European MP, and uh, Dr. John O'Connell. Who had who was Hawes Health Minister, and uh, I, I I met them at five o'clock in Dundalk when we went to uh, Newry RUC station and we were putting a convoy and brought too long cash uh, in early in the morning, uh, very early, uh, and uh, we were brought to Bobby's uh, hospital set, uh, and he, he was very weak at that stage. It was about 37, 38, or 39 day I remember. Uh, he was blind in one eye, 
he was lying at that stage, lying on a sheepskin rug on a waterbed because he was uh, obviously emaciated and his bones were protruding. So he was he was in very bad shape. So they had a quite a long visit with him. Uh, O'Connell, who was a medical doctor, uh, took his pulse and various medical things like that, uh, and he was uh, very much in a, in a nice way, if you understand. He was trying to convince him to end the hunger strike and that he would. Uh, try everything in his power and influence the authorities in Dublin to put pressure on the on on the British. Uh, Sheila de Valera, I remember, was crying on the visit because she was very emotional about what she saw and listening to Bobby about the conditions in the in the H blocks. Um, the, the the only other visit I remember that of note would be very near the end. I think Bobby died on the Monday, early Monday morning. Uh, on the 5th of May, but I remember seeing him on, on the Saturday when he, when he was totally, totally weak and uh, totally out of it almost. And he was totally blind, but he recognised uh, my voice. Uh, and and uh, all he asked me was, um, was there any change? And, and, I, and I said uh, there wasn't, uh, that I was aware of. And uh, he told me... Uh, to go to see his his mother from his mother in particular, and to look look after my ma is what he said. Well, well, I'm sure, like every every mother and every family, uh, I think I think the sense would be uh, that 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 they would have would have hoped uh, that Bobby's life would have been saved. And uh, as as I said, uh, we in Fermanagh uh, and South Tyrone who elected him, uh, that was the basis on which we elected him. You know, it was you know the our, the slogan in the election was his life in your hands. And save his life, you know. And we we did think in our I suppose naivety that that it would, you know. But um, uh, 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 obviously, uh, the, the the I would say this, Mrs. Sands and their and Marcel and the family supported their son and brother wholeheartedly, uh, you know. And uh, to my knowledge, they didn't uh, defer from that in any way, you know. And uh, but obviously, it was a it was a tough time for them and for all the families. And I think that's one of the things that's would have all have stayed with me, the, the suffering and uh, of the families. And uh, it, it, it was really, really, really tough on them and on the whole prisoner uh, community. And uh, I suppose it's something that will never fade away from me. So I remember myself and Jim Gibney, Jim Gibney had been in the prison visiting somebody else and we went towards uh, Anderson Town where the Sands has lived. But we met uh, Mr. and Mrs. Sands at, at a roundabout and we spoke to, I spoke to them there. They were actually had been called to the prison. So um, I was obviously uh, shaken by that in that, you know, you knew he was a very near death. So uh, I suppose I wasn't surprised when early in the middle of Monday, uh, the 5th of May, I, uh, Jim Gimley phoned me to tell me that Bobby had died and uh, would I come up to Belfast. So I, I went to Belfast in the middle of the night and obviously there had been, uh, I, I, I would have entered West Belfast from the Broadway, slip off there on Sam one, and uh, there was obviously had been huge rioting and bricks and bottles everywhere. But I remember uh, I, I went to Tom Hartley's house and uh, there I met Jerry Ireland's Derry up. Morrison and uh, Jim Gibney, like people like that, and obviously everybody was in a uh, naturally a state of shock. But 
I remember the Iranian ambassador came to see us because uh, there had been a revolution in Iran at that time. And, uh, they were very uh, supportive of the hunger strike. So uh, it was then a matter of uh, Bobby's body being brought home to Twinbrook and uh, huge crowds obviously came from all over Ireland uh, to file past this coffin. And uh, I remember uh, people were all pressurizing Jerry Adams to do the oration, but he said that it would be better if someone like me did it, who uh, was roughly the same age as Bobby Sands was, and to explain what was the difference in us. And the difference was that Bobby Sands had uh, gone to prison because of the conflict and was forced uh, to, to live in the hitch blocks and to go on hunger strike and had ended up uh, uh, dead because of that. So obviously there was a huge, huge funeral, about 100,000 people. Uh, and uh, I suppose you could see the change that was happening. Whereas, you know, in previous times, uh, crowds were small, uh, support was small uh, in the hunger strike until Bobby was elected. And then the, 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 his death on hunger strike obviously galvanised the Irish people and it very much internationalised uh, what was going on in Ireland uh, that Thatcher couldn't keep saying that this was just nobody's business, only theirs, and that it was a criminal conspiracy that was going on. I remember speaking to Gerry Adams when we were walking down uh, behind the cortege and looking back and could see the massive crowd. And I remember Gerry Adams and myself saying that, you know, really uh, the Irish people were very, very sound. You know, that was a hundred, at least 100,000 people had come out uh, to follow uh, Bobby Sands's coffin, you know. Whereas, you know, before that, you know, uh, support was was hard garnered and, and uh, um, all the big, parts of society seem to be uh, against the prisoners and the hunger strikers. I mean, you know, the big political parties, uh, whether it was in the North, like the SDLP or in the South, like Fianna Fáil and the Gael, well, well, individuals in those parties would have been supportive. The, 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 the establishment parties uh, and indeed the establishment church and all of that were, were against the hunger strikers and against what they saw was their struggle. But uh, I think... Uh, Bobby Sands's funeral uh, and uh, the 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 deaths of the ten men, uh, you know, uh, changed all that. I think that's the big thing that has happened. It it was a total change, and it's I suppose it's hard to imagine now looking back how, how momentous a time it was. Uh, the only other I suppose memorable time I have from the hunger strike is that I think it was the thirty first of July. Jerry Adams asked me if I would accompany him in. He was seeing the remaining hunger strikers at that time uh, because over the summer there had been the election, of course, in, in the south and Kieran Doherty had been elected along with uh, Paddy Agnew, a prisoner from Louth. Um, but over the summer there had been a change of government and Gareth Fitzgerald was now in power in Dublin and uh, the church uh, in particular uh, was not supportive of the hunger strike. Uh, and uh, it transpired that Father Fall used his influence very much uh, with uh, the relatives of the hunger strikers to uh, um, sort of end the hunger strike by taking their prisoner relatives off the strike. And uh, uh, there was a lot of sort of controversy and confusion. Uh, so uh, Jerry Adams 
uh, asked me if I would come in with him, and he explained to the remaining prisoners the uh, situation as he saw it. Uh, we would have uh, been accorded a visit in the, I think it was in the dining room in, in one of the hitch blocks. Uh, Tom McElwee was there. Um, people like uh, um, Mickey Devine was there. Liam Matuski was there. Uh, Big McFarland was there as the OC of the prisoners. And uh, Adams explained uh, very carefully that in his opinion, uh, you know, um, there didn't seem to be any real hope of the British yielding and that uh, a number of men had died and it was very likely that if the hunger strike continued, the people in this room who are on the hunger strike would also die and that they would have to make up their own mind but that he, for his part and for uh, on behalf of Republicans outside, would support them in whatever uh, road they chose. If they chose to come off, they would support them. If they chose to go ahead, they would support them. Uh, so I, I remember very much that Tom McElwee spoke for them all at the end, and he said uh, that, you know, they would give Thatcher everything that they had got, and that they were going ahead. Uh, Kevin Lynch was, uh, was actually dying. His family was with him at that time. He wasn't fit to be present at the meeting. And in fact, he died the next day on the 1st of August. And uh, Kieran Doherty was also falling in and out of a coma, even though we went to see him and explained as best we could, he, he wasn't able to come to the meeting. Uh, so obviously in those first uh, couple of days, week in August, uh, three more men died. Uh, on the, uh, I think it was the 20th, 21st of August, uh, Mickey Devine died. I think it was the day that I was elected. In from Anna South Rome because the British government brought in a, a new rule, new law that no further prisoners could stand in elections. So it meant that I was <laughs> cajoled into standing uh, on behalf of the prisoners, and uh, the people again voted in support of the of the prisoners. Well, uh, you know, ob obviously I went to all of the hunger strikers' funerals, uh, but you know, I was I, I was uh, I was just there as a uh, 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 as another person. Uh, I do remember very much uh, Francis Hughes's uh, funeral uh, because uh, uh, myself and Jimmy Drum were told uh, by uh, Jerry Adams and different people to go over uh, to be with the family when, when, Fra when Francis Hughes's body was removed to Beaver Park Hospital. And uh, there was a, a very nasty incident there where the RUC came along and forced to Francis Hughes's uh, uh, removal. Uh, and tried to take over, uh, they, had, they tried to hijack and did attempt to hijack the, the funeral and the hearse. Uh, they pulled me out of the hearse and they tried to pull the undertaker, who was a man uh, called McCusker from South Derry. And uh, they tried to pull him out of his, uh, out of his, and he succeeded in pulling him out of his uh, driver's seat. Uh, but I think he was able to put the keys of the hearse into his mouth uh, so, so that when the RUC man got in to drive the vehicle, he wasn't able to do so. But they smashed the windows in it, and I remember they boxed us into a convoy and, uh, of, of RUC Land Rovers and, and followed us all the way to Tomb Bridge before we turned off for, for South Derry. So it was a, it was a very uh, uh, nasty uh, situation. But uh, I do always remember that when we got to Tomb Bridge, uh, uh, 
John Davy, who's a Republican from South Derry, I remember him putting the, the tricolour on Francis Hughes's coffin, uh, and we brought him home to his family home. So it 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 was a tough, tough, very tough times, tough for the family to have to witness all of that. But uh, but I think it instilled a bit of uh, steel into the nationalist uh, people and the Republican people uh, that there was no turning back.